Uh, welcome aboard. I'm glad you're here with me. So thanks for dialing in. But today we're going to look at a, a topic that's really um, pretty intense as far as the culture goes today, especially in the Christian culture uh, of the church. And the, the topic is, con is a continuation of the series of Alice that I started several months ago. And we talked about last week a little bit more. And, and yeah, we're going to take a look at that today. Uh, again, so far in Alice, we've, we've looked at how love is sometimes chosen over the bitterness that stays in the human heart uh, and comes out as, as racism you know, in a person's life. Racism is one of those things that, that, you know, it's kind of ingrained in society. It's ingrained in the culture. Uh, we have this natural tendency to, to look at people and to judge people and to, to elevate ourselves above certain peoples and so forth. And, you know, it's, it's, it comes out as racism. Last week, we talked about how in as a Christian, is as looking to overcome racism in my life, in my heart, that it's really only God that can change the human heart. You know, I can I can protest and I can enact laws and we can do all kinds of things to try and combat the problem of racism in our world, our lives, our culture, and so forth. But in reality. You know, I might be able to force people to do certain things or to live under certain laws or guidelines, but it really is only God that can change the human heart, you know, to where racism is not an issue. Um, we talked about that last week. Now, the topic I want to get into today is one uh, that's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, and that is the idea of reparations. Reparations are basically the making of amends for a wrong that somebody has done. Uh, it might be by paying money or, or other resources uh, that are being paid to another individual uh, who was oppressed or who was wronged by somebody. The question is, you know, does the Bible address the issue of you know, reparations or the repayment of things. And actually it does. I'm going to, I don't have it on the screen here, I don't think. No, I don't, do not. Um, I'm going to ask you to take a look at this on your own time. It's Leviticus 6, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to read it for you. And here's what it says. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, when a person sins and acts unfaithfully against the Lord by lying to another concerning something left in storage. In other words, you know, if, if you, if somebody puts something in storage, uh, maybe you have control over and, you know, you decide that you want it. So you lie to them about, you know, it was stolen by somebody else or whatever. So when a person sins and acts unfaithfully against the Lord, by lying to another concerning something left in storage or entrusted to him or theft or by extorting his neighbor or by finding a lost item concerning 
one of all the things that a man may do to sin in these things. When he sins and he is found guilty, he shall return whatever he stole, whatever he extorted, whatever was left in storage with him, or the lost item which he found, or about which he swore falsely. Then he shall repay it in full and shall add one-fifth to it. In other words, tack on another 20%. And he shall give it to whom it belongs on the day that he's found guilty. What is all this saying? In a nutshell, what God is saying that when you wrong somebody, you know, whether you lied or you, you cheated them or you, you stole something from them, whatever the case might be. But when we wrong somebody and we admit that we did something wrong to that person, we're to repay that person with interest. And the idea is very simple. It's that, you know, I took something from somebody that it didn't, didn't belong to me, so I took it. And to show that my, my heart really is repentant and that I want to, you know, be forgiven for the sin of my life here, I give it back to the person, I confess it to them, and then I also give them a little bit more. Uh, the assumption is that, you know, like, you know, back in those days, let's say you had 10 sheep, you know, and, and you, you know, a guy had a whole bunch of sheep and you took 10 of them. Well, when you realize that, you know, well, I shouldn't have taken, taken those, or taken those sheep, so I give him back the 10 plus two more because, you know, those sheep would have reproduced. They would have added benefit, you know, to his, his wealth and all because they would have reproduced and things. So God is saying that that's a way that you can compensate that individual for them having lost something, you know, by your hand. You know, you're the one that stole it, so now you need to give it back to them. And then you need to give them a little bit extra because, you know, that's a way of showing remorse. As well as compensating them for, you know, should uh, the money, you know, uh, you know, increase due to interest or whatever the case might be. Reparations are the repayment of something with interest for something that was done by another person, done to another person. You know, in the world today, we, we see a lot, especially in Christian cycles, uh, we see this idea of reparation uh, associated with slavery. And we have to consider what slavery was back in Jesus' day and what it means in the world today. Well, if you were a slave owner today, let's let's just say that, you know, each one, let's say we owned a slave and we realize that this is wrong and you went to release that person. You know, he said, you know, I'm sorry that I enslaved you and this was wrong and I shouldn't have done that, you know, to you. You're free to go now. If that was the case today, would I owe that person some kind of compensation? I think most of us would agree. Yeah, we do. You know, we, we offended that person. We oppressed that person. We, we you know, without, you know, them freely giving in, we, we oppressed them and, and turned them into a slave, and now we owe them something for that. I think most of us would agree that we need to compensate that person for the wrong that we imposed on their life. Well, what was slavery like back in Jesus' day, back in bi biblical times? 
We have to understand what slavery means today as well as what it meant back in those days, especially as we read certain scriptures in regards to it. In biblical times, people were enslaved for basically a couple of different reasons. One of them was uh, they were forced into labor. Um, another way that people were enslaved back then was when they made a commitment to an individual to work for them. Now, let me explain. Forced slavery would be an example of where the Egyptians were hauled off and taken into Egypt you know, and they were enslaved by the Egyptians. They were forced to build, you know, all kinds of cities and things of that nature. You know, it wasn't something that they chose to do. This was something that the Egyptians forced them to do. That's what we traditionally understand as slavery. But back in Jesus' day, in the nation of Israel and before Jesus' day, uh, slavery was also uh, something different. Slavery was something that was chosen. In other words, let me put it to you this way. Let's say uh, an Israelite uh, owned a bunch of property, you know, and he had crops and fields and all that stuff. And he needed people to, to work those fields and to gather the harvest and things. So he would, quote, enslave another person or that person would voluntarily agree to the terms of this slavery uh, or this working for this man uh, under certain conditions. And the conditions were prescribed by God to the Israelite nation. Um, it, there were legal codes that were established that protected the person who was enslaved to the landowner so that the person was treated fairly, that they weren't ripped off, that, that the landowner provided you know, money and food and shelter and all of the things that the person enslaved needed to live, as well as for his own family. So it was really more like, you know, accepting a job, if you will. And, you know, but there were other conditions too. You know, slavery, you know, let's say I uh, went to an Israelite landowner and I'm like, you know, I have a debt that I need to pay, so can I borrow some money? And the guy said, okay. You know, you can borrow this money, but now you have to come and work for me, you know, until it's paid off. Well, you could do that. You could borrow the money and, and go pay your debts, and then you would work for that landowner. Uh, while at the same time he paid you for your efforts and for your work, he also had to provide for your sustenance. He had to provide for you and for your family. Um, if you were in that situation and you were enslaved to a, an Israelite, uh, your, your freedom could be purchased at any point in time. You know, you come back, you know, halfway through and say, you know, well, here, I got the rest of the money I owe you. Here you go. And, and that was the end of it. You know, you were, you were released. Uh, also, God had established that the uh, slaves of Israelites would be released on what was called the Jubilee year. In other words, on the seventh year of their enslavement, they were to be released freely. You know, you could enslave someone or, or hire someone, if you want to look at it that way, for a period of six years. And at the beginning of the seventh year, you were to release that person automatically. That was God's law. So it wasn't like you would be enslaved forever. You were enslaved to the point to where you, you know, you owed that person money or you needed food and shelter for you and your family. And it was agreed upon and provided for from the, you know, the Israelite. 
Uh, and anywhere in between, if you wanted to get out of it, you could pay whatever debt was owed to you. Uh, or you could wait till the Jubilee year, the seventh year, and you were automatically set free. That yeah. When that landowner released that person from the enslavement, that they were be, to be provided for very generously. In other words, you just don't say, okay, your time's up, see ya. No, you would provide for that person out of the abundance that God had given to you. So enslavement in the nation of Israel was way different than what our traditional understanding of enslavement is all about, uh, especially like when Israel was enslaved by the Egyptians. Uh, in Deuteronomy 15, these are some of the instructions that God gives to the nation of Israel. And he says, when you let him go free from you. So when you let that person free from this agreement or this contract or this enslavement, he says, you shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, animals, food, out of your threshing floor, grains and so forth, uh, and also out of your wine press food, drink, as the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. See, so this was really not a bad deal. You know, it was kind of like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, like our social security system of today, you know, where, you know, social security provides needs for people that are, you know, in a bad spot. Well, this was the same thing. The Israelites could could uh, bring a person in to work for them, but then there were certain obligations that they had. The difference between a couple of slaveries is, of course, when, when Israel was enslaved by Egypt, that was forced. They had no choice. You know, it was either do it or die. But when Israel went into, uh, an Israelite went into a, a, uh, uh, an agreement with an individual to be enslaved to that household, you know, it was with all of these benefits, really. You know, they were to be paid, they were to be fed, they were to be sheltered. There was all kinds of things that uh, they were required to do for the benefit of the individual. From these, these scriptures and from these stories, we learn a couple of things about God. We learn that, number one, God is a God of justice. You know, he holds each and every person accountable for the things that they do. You know, he holds each and every person accountable for the wrongs that they do. So as a Christian, you know, if, if I harm another person, God tells me that if you want to make restitution, if you want to repent of what you have done and you want to restore the relationship, then yeah, you have to confess it to the person. But you also need to, you know, give back to that person what it is that you took from that person you know, with interest. You know, look at uh, Zacchaeus. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was the little short tax collector. And Jesus was walking along a road one day. And there was a group of people with him. And Zacchaeus wanted to see this Jesus. He wanted to see who he was. But because Zacchaeus was short, he couldn't really see over and into the crowd. So he climbs a tree. And Jesus comes walking by. And the rest of the story is kind of history. You know, Jesus in, engages with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus comes down, and Zacchaeus accepts who Jesus is. And basically, Zacchaeus said that, you know, as a tax collector, for any of the people that I have ripped off, I'm going to repay them fourfold. So if I ripped you off of 100 bucks, I'm going to give you 400 bucks back. 
you know, he, he kind of took this demand of God for restoration. Uh, he took it to an extreme. He wanted to make sure that, you know, that the people understood and that his own heart understood that he was sorry and repented about the wrongs that he had done toward other people. So Zacchaeus gave back fourfold. I want you to see that God's justice does not mean that he is holding individuals accountable for things that they did not do themselves. That's not in the scriptures. I don't see it anywhere where God holds me personally responsible for the wrongs maybe that were committed to another person years and years ago, maybe even generations ago. In a nutshell, God tells us, you know, if you wrong another person, you got to repay that person. You know, today the argument is this, and it's in the culture and it's in the Christian church as well. And that is, should a group of people who did not commit the injustice compensate another group of people who did not suffer the injustice? You see, I mean, that's the issue that's kind of going through the world and the culture today and the protest and, you know, government and even the Christian church is, you know, what is our responsibility toward people that were maybe oppressed generations ago? Do we owe them something? Well, first of all, as I've said several times now, if you, if you wrong somebody, you owe them and you owe them with interest. If your ancestors wrong somebody, I don't think we owe them. I don't see it in scripture anywhere that we owe somebody for something that ancestors that I never met, you know, that I never knew, that they did to these people. However, and don't miss this, this in no way, in no way removes our responsibility as Christians to care for the poor to help our neighbor and to love our neighbor as ourself. It in no way removes my responsibility uh, to, to show kindness and compassion to people that are down on their luck. You know, the same situation still is here with me, and that is that if I see somebody in need, as a Christian I'm called and as, with responsibility to share with that person the resources that God has so richly blessed me with. None of that has changed. So in regards to this issue of reparations and who owes who what, again, if I did something to you, I owe you. If I oppressed you in some way, then I owe you with interest. But if I didn't, if somebody else did generations ago, and maybe, you know, I don't really owe you for that because I had no control over it. But what I do have control over is how I respond to your needs today as a Christian. So when you look at reparations, I don't think the Christian church owes for wrongs that were committed centuries ago or any Christian individual. However, we do have a responsibility as Christ followers to share with others the love of Christ, the resources that he has blessed us so richly with, and to do all that we can 
to love our neighbor as ourselves, to build them up, to help them, to be compassionate, and to just be the person that, that Christ was when he was here on this earth. So today I want you to think about that and really let it kind of, you know, settle in your heart over the, the rest of this week um, so that we might come to a better understanding of how the church and maybe our individual churches or our individual families should respond uh, to this whole issue of who owes who what. Remember the love of Christ and remember what Christ has done for each and every one of us. Thanks and God bless and I'll see you next week. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live Sundays at 11.30 a.m. or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining and don't forget to like and share. God bless.